Welcome to Rising Titans with Andy Weiss, a podcast that hones in on the process of achieving greatness. In each episode, we sit down with the rising titan of industry and learn about their path to success thus far. We always remind our listeners to keep in mind that it's not about the end result, it's about the journey. In today's episode, we sit down with Brandon Singer. Brandon is a prolific retail leasing broker with Cushman and Wakefield in New York City. He's brokered over $4 billion in aggregate value in transactions throughout his career and is currently marketing 3 million square feet. In his career, he's represented big brands such as Nike, H&R Block, Ann Taylor, TD Bank, and others. He's currently representing Showfields, Eden, Fabric, and many other new age retail tenants. Welcome, Brandon. How you doing? What's up, man? I'm good. How you doing? Dude, you know, uh, I guess just, just to give everyone listening uh, some reference, you know, we're, we're in the middle of the, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, but, uh, you know, I got to say, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Um, I, can't, I can't complain. You know, my, my beard's getting a little long, but uh, overall, staying positive, uh, spend a lot of time talking to people like you. How, you how are you holding up? I'm good, man. You know, all things considered, it could be could be better. It could also be a lot worse. So you got to, you know, count your blessings and sort of be thankful for that, right? Um, in Manhattan, just trying to stay positive, trying to keep busy. Um, that's really it, you know, just trying to stay focused on uh, hopefully coming out of this thing and, you know, all of us coming out of this thing healthy and, and better and than, than we were before. So that's how I'm looking at it. I love that. That's a, that's a, that's a positive attitude. Um, yeah. and, and I respect that. Uh, so, you know, just in, in general, I, I like to kind of give the, the guest on the podcast, the, the microphone at first, uh, and, and really just hear from you, like, you know, where are you from, whatever you care to share, uh, and that sure. you think is kind of pertinent to, to your story of like, how, how did you become the Brandon Singer we know today? Sure. So, um, I'm 34 years old. Um, I grew up not far away from here on Long Island, uh, in a town by the name of Melville, Dix Hills. Um, my, I have my uncle lives in Melville. There you go. Just a note. Three times drive. There you go. He's got. A, that's <laughs> right near where I grew up, Woodmont Road. He's got a good good taste in uh, in neighborhoods. So right. uh, yeah, I, I grew up there. Um, I went to college in Washington D.C. at uh, the George Washington University, commonly referred to as GW. Oh, by the way, it's seven o'clock right now, so you got to cheer for the uh, for all the online <laughs> workers. So I'm going to give it up to them real quick. Um, no, but so I went to college at uh, GW in DC. Um, I studied business administration with a concentration in hospitality and tourism management. And I was the worst student ever. Let's just be very clear about that. <laughs> uh, terrible student. I don't know how I got in, but I did. And I went to school there for, you know, for four years, maybe four and a half, if you ask, if you look at the records. But And I like that. I graduated. I also, I also I gra- like how you, you said. You wonder how you got in, not how you graduated, but how you got in. Graduating was easy, but you know, <laughs> sort of, but no, both. No, both that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm unclear, but we, you know, whatever. It is what it is. Worked um, out. Yeah. So, um, graduated in 2007, and I, um, you know, always sort of had a, a, an interest um, in commercial real estate focused on retail. Uh, and we can come back, I'll tell you why in a minute, but um, my real for sort of what I, the job I thought I'd be doing was going into the music industry. Um, when I was in high school, um, I had a cousin, an older cousin of mine who was like a real, or two of them actually brothers that were um, really big club promoters. And I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And me and a couple of buddies in high school 
started organizing and throwing parties with like celebrity performances. We had like 50 Cent one time. We had fabulous, like a bunch of other stuff. And so I always had this, I had this entrepreneurial sort of kind of thing about me always. Um, And when I went into college, I kept doing it. And I thought to myself, you know, I was a, I was and really still am a humongous hip hop fan. Like you can see this poster behind me. It's a biggie. It was all a dream. And, the, you know, I, I just love hip hop. So we, we, uh, we ran into each other at yes, the rap concert. That's fact. Rick Ross, Ricky Rose, the biggest boss. Um, <laughs> and and, and you, you actually mentioned that you were going again the next night. So, you know, just about fifteen took 15 clients. You were talking like, <laughs> you know, real estate professionals. It was a weird fit, but, you know, they liked it. So anyway, so um, so um, when I was graduating college, I said to myself, you know, what is the one thing that I've always been passionate about that I really love was I knew how to produce events. I was really good at it. I, you know, done pretty well for a young guy doing it. I did probably in my career at that point, between all of, you know, my junior and senior, senior of high school and all of college, probably 150, 200 events um, in New York, in DC, in Miami, all over the place. And I said, you know, how can I, no disrespect to people that do that professionally after college or when they're a little older promoting, I just was like, you know, I, I kind of don't want to be in the club till four in the morning when I'm, a, you know, when I'm 27, 30, 35, 40, 50 years old, what can I do that takes sort of everything I'm passionate about and, but I'm able to be entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. And I decided, I, you know, I was going to really try my best to pursue a career going into the music industry and like every white Jewish kid from Long Island that loves hip hop, <laughs> trying to figure out a way to, to sort of, to like, to, to, to make that happen. Um, you know, it was right, it was 2007. So it was really right around the time when um, iTunes and Nap, like the whole online music thing and stealing music. And like, it, it was just like a really, really bad time um, in in the music industry. And I always had sort of like a, an interest in commercial real estate. And, and, but like, for whatever reason, like I was fascinated since I was a kid by like retail and I I can't really describe it, but like my father um, who is in commercial real estate when he was younger, when he was my age and even younger when he was in his twenties, he worked for at the time, um, one of the most, you know, sort of preeminent, prominent developers in the world, but they don't exist anymore. But the name of the company was Arlen development. And he also worked for Eddie Gordon, ESG, which is the predecessor to CBRE today. And um, throughout his, you know, raising me, whenever we'd come into New York City, because I did live, I grew up pretty close to it, we would, you know, he would always point out different projects and buildings that he was involved with and different things. And, um, you know, on vacations, uh, you know, in Florida, wherever it was with my family, I would always be like fascinated with like, the retail plaza, like the, the, the outdoor lifestyle center at Disney world, as opposed to going to the rides. And like, you know, when I remember one time we were, we were on vacation and we were on the highway in Florida and there was a Wendy's restaurant on the side of the road. And my dad looked and he pointed at the Wendy's and he said, you see, like, you know, there's someone that found that Wendy's, that location that made a lot of money doing it. You'd be really good at that. And I was like, that was probably 12. I don't even know how old I was. And it always resonated with me. So when I graduated college, graduated college in 2007, <laughs> I, a little short, but we finished up. Don't worry. I got that degree. Um, <laughs> I called, I called a family friend, uh, actually a, a friend of one of my cousins, one of those promoter guys that I told you about before. And I said, Hey, I think you're working retail real estate. Like, 
what's the story? Like, like, wh what do you do? Like, is there any, is your company hiring, whatever? And believe me, this was like after months of realizing that I wasn't going to go into the music industry and I was going to focus on real estate. And long story short, I wound up working with him um, at a company by the name of RKF, which doesn't exist anymore, um, which was the initials for Robert K. Futterman, um, yeah. for those that don't know. Uh, he sold it into Newmark and whatever, but I worked there for about four-ish years. I, I loved it there, actually. I, I was doing great. I was really young and um, make a very, very long story short, I decided to um, make a move and I wound up at Cushman and Wakefield uh, in 2011. So it's been almost 10 years now, which is crazy. Wow. Time flies. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I got this opportunity and, you know, Cushman and Wakefield, no disrespect to any other firm, but from in the New York commercial real estate world, that's like, you know, that's like playing for the, uh, the Lakers or the Yankees. Right. So um, from a brand name standpoint and, and that's really it. So uh, that's my story. And, you know, and that's how I got to where I am professionally today, which, um, you know, it's just, it's interesting. And, you know, it's, it's something when you look back, it's like, wow, like that really happened. Huh? And it's, it, you know, it feels as long as, as many times as I can tell you, I've, you know, put that suit and tie on every morning to go to work and walked out the door and, you know, gone to my office. I can tell you like, you know, when you think about it, it's like, wow, it's really been that long. I've been doing what I do for now. I'm on year, you know, 2007 to yeah, almost 13 years. So I'm almost on year 14. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. That, that is pretty intense. Um, yeah. and you know, I'd say according to the 10,000 hour rule, you are definitely an expert at what you do at this point. Um, I guess. Is, yeah. Right. Which is cool. Right. So, so your clients can rest assured they're, they're in good hands. Um, in good hands. <laughs> very capable hands. So I guess to, to kind of step back and like, you know, you, you jumped into, I guess something that, maybe at first you weren't like you were, you seemed like you have passion about it, but it wasn't like your, your first choice. Um, did you question at all? Like in, the, in those first few years, like, is this like, what, what was that? What was it like adapting to, to working in, in that space? And did you question like, did I make the right choice or do I love sure. what I do every day? Um, sure. And, and so, yeah, sure. Yeah. Start with that. Uh, no. So, um, I would say that um, for those of you that know about commercial real estate and the ins and outs of doing deals and getting deals done and how long it takes, no matter what part of the business you're in, and it's very different from anyone, no, again, no disrespect to anyone in residential real estate, but you know, it's a very different animal than you just show up to a building, say, I like it, sign a lease, and a week later, you're moving in. It's not how yeah. it works. Commercial real yeah. estate, the only, the only thing in common between the two is the word, two words, real estate and a license. That's it. And... Um, you know, in my opinion, right? And tell me if you yeah, disagree. But yeah. we're, we're but, really not disrespecting a lot of people today. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> I'm all kidding, I'm kidding. I'm I mean, kidding. I don't mean any disrespect. I know, I know, I know. No, no, but, it, no but, I, I think I think what your point is, it's like it's the nature of the transaction is a lot different. Um, totally. And and you're you're dealing with in a lot of cases it's larger scale. Uh, right. Although you know some some residential real estate in Manhattan is is really a big ticket item, and it is in some ways more similar to commercial real estate at times. Um, right. So, so anyway, so, so with that said, I, um, I decided to uh, really put my head down and, and I learned throughout the process that like, 
it's a really hard business. I mean, like, you know, there's yeah. a, trust me, there's a lot of things I could not do. So I don't want to sound like I'm some sort of genius or something. Cause there's a lot of professions and jobs that I have the utmost, you know, again, respect for. And I don't mean like that. I could never ever work my way up that corporate ladder in any other profession, uh, not any yeah. other, but most other professions. And so, you know, I can tell you that I always was, I, I really loved what I did, what I did, yeah. what I do um, from, since the beginning. I remember going to work my first day, uh, actually like my second day on the job, I wound up, you know, the John Varvato store uh, on the Bowery? No, but it's whatever. I'm it sure used to be CBG, CBGB is the famous like concert hall. Okay. Right. I actually showed it to him, John Varvatos on that day. I was like, wow, this is the craziest thing ever. I love it. And like, so like, these are like, the point is, is like, it took me a really long time. Like after going through the ups and downs of the business, which you know, as you know, I'm sure when you walk out sometimes on a Friday from your office, you feel like you got your ass kicked all week. You didn't make any money. You lost a bunch of deals. And there's been a plenty of times where I've called my parents, you know, I, I, or I've said, I, I just, or my friends, I, I just can't do this anymore. Like, I don't know how I'm, I'm going to, you know, be wow. able to, and, but the truth is if you really, you know, you stay, you, you, you got to be able to, as much as you win, like, you know, the Yankees don't win 162 games a year. They lose plenty. Right. Yeah. And I think it's important to know that like, you know, losing is sometimes along the way is, and, and, and I don't even know how I got here on topic here, but like, it's just sort of, it's something that helps you win more in the future. I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever, but sure. that's my experience with the business. And especially at first having to learn that as I went, and like having no clue or no context as to like, you can work a year on a deal and then the thing falls apart because of, you know, one of a billion reasons and you got nothing to show for it. But guess what? Your landlord still wants his rent, right? You still got to pay your phone bill. You still got to eat, right? Like you still got to go on the date with that chick, right? Like these are the things that like you learn as you go as to how to, how to live in, in, in that box and keep going along with it. So. I mean, necessity, necessity is the, uh, the father of ingenuity, right? Like, you know, I guess, in, yeah. in, in a lot of ways, like when you have that base level need, um, you know, just to survive, it, it, it does drive you and it starts to push you to be creative. But yep. I, I really, I really like what you're, what you're getting at in terms of just like the difficulty of starting up, especially in a, in a business like real estate, whether it be resi or, or commercial, I think to start as a broker and to, to build relationships, I think is difficult. And, you know, I, I'm a mortgage broker and obviously we broker different things, but I think both of us, uh, and I'm, I'm actually probably still going through a portion of that being that I'm, I'm in the industry two and a half years. Like, you know, you have to learn how to broker, how to, how to not only broker, but how to, how to find a client, right? Like how to build relationships with people who you can, you can develop business relationships with in the long term, Um, and, there's, it's, there's no like handbook to that. You know, there's a lot of self-help books out there, but um, I, I think it's an interesting point you're hitting on. And like, I'm curious, how long did it take you? Like how many years was it until you'd say you had like stable income? Like, was it at RKF or was it really like you, your career started to transition when you went to Cushman? Um, it's interesting, right? So I, and, and this is actually a pretty sort of applicable um, lesson to what's about what's happening now, obviously, given the whole world collapsing and everything. But when I started my career in 2007, I became a broker, you know, you start in like research, right? So I started yeah. in a canvassing program. And I did that for six months. 
and I busted my ass and, and I went to the people in charge at the time and said, I want to be a broker, promote me. I need to be a broker. Forgot this research shit. I'm trying to make money, right? And sorry, oh. can I curse or no? I don't know. If you could curse, I, man. You're, you're uh, totally, uh, this is E-rated. Uh, great, there we go. So <laughs> I, um, they promoted me and they're like, sure. So, you know, beginning of 2008, I became an actual, you know, I, although I was licensed before, I became like a practicing, you, broker? you know, transacting broker. Did you have a salary? No, not a dime. Nice. I had a salary as a, when you're in the marketing research, research. A tiny, you know, nothing just to get by. And then, and then I grad got promoted. And in some ways it was a demotion cause I lost my salary, but I had the ability to do deals. So, you know, I, they put me on a couple projects to start, um, things that were, you know, sort of, um, you know, things that I could potentially work on and make money in canvas and find tenants for. But in reality, you know, I learned very quickly that, the value in this, any, I can speak to my business and presumably most sales businesses and, and presumably yours as well. The value of a broker as the way a, a brokerage house looks at it is their own relationships. Anyone can service mm -hmm. business. Not anyone. I shouldn't say that. Yeah. Servicing business is important and you need to learn how to service and people, there's a, there's a huge value in someone that knows how to work on and, and service business. But the real okay. value is the person that procures the business because yep. There's nothing to work on if the business doesn't come in. That makes hundred percent agree. So I learned that from day one, and as I said, I was never really the best student. I was never really one that was sort of attentive to my studies and, and the most studious. But I always was good with people, given my experience with promoting and just being social. And I focused like a like a laser focused on building relationships. And you know, I did whatever I can via friends my family, my parents, friends, people that I could just meet, charity organizations, um, to just build my relationships. And I learned, you know, along the way, and there was a lot of mess ups, I will be honest, along the way, but I learned. I, That's I, how would, you I would expect. Yeah, no, for sure. And as I've gotten more senior and sort of more experienced in my career, um, you know, I've sort of, you know, I've, probably been in a place where I had like you asked like recurring income since probably like where look to be honest with you somehow some way in the past 14 years I've never had a it's probably going to change now but I've never had a down year meaning it's oh it's since 2007 it's always gone up my income um you know not to you ask the question so I'll answer it and no, 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 saying it, you know yeah you know but um so starting in 2008 and and continuing to you know try to build your business in the worst time ever 2008 other than up until you know up until Good now mouth. just to hold, hold my beer to 2008 2008 was the worst right so yeah when when that happened you know as scary as it is and how easy it is, as it is to just lose hope and say fuck it the world's never coming back we just had a financial crisis it's never going to be this again new york's never going to be that again bullshit Okay. That's not true. It's New York city. Okay. You don't live in Omaha. No disrespect to Omaha. You know, Omaha, <laughs> Omaha I feel like, I feel like I'm we should just apologize. I'm, yeah. Dude, let's, let's just apologize. For a blanket apology. If anyone's yeah. offended, we're both sorry. I don't mean to take shots at anyone. You know, I don't mean to come here to, you know, cause problems like a podcast. But, but, um, no, but like, you know, like it's New York I, city. I agree with you. Back. So I agree the good with news you. is in times like that, people there it's almost easier if you have quote unquote live bodies to make deals 
and it's a fucked up thing to say in today's day and age live, but I don't mean, you know, but like if you have interested parties in transacting on both sides and you yeah. are a broker, it's a great time to learn and to put deals together because 100%. there's more of a need for your services. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that's, really- I, I, I think, I think you hit on something really, really very, very key and, and just about like opportunity. And, and I think right now is like you're saying is, is a real time for opportunity and, when markets become dislocated, people who are brokers become more valuable because they're picking up all the new information at a much more rapid pace than any other market participant. So, you know, while, while the, the, while your landlords, obviously they invest in retail and they're receiving a ton of research, like you're speaking to every other landlord that they know, and you're, you're asking them more pointed questions and, they're willing to share with you potentially more than they are with their competitor. Totally. Um, so I, I, I really think that it's, you know, it's, it's all about how you look at it. And I, I think the way you look at it is like you had this crappy time in the world where you were able to take advantage of it and you jumped right in. You said, fuck this shit. Like, I don't want to be doing research. I want to go broker. And I, I respect that. Um, Thank you. I, I really do. And, how, how many years do you think it would be that you were in until you were at a point where you're like, I'm good at this. So like, I, I, I actually, I, I feel like I know what I'm doing. And like, I would, I would describe it as like the time when like the, the, the bullshit that you start saying out of your mouth, you're actually like, wow, that's actually not bullshit. Like that, that makes a lot of sense. Like someone's listening yeah. to me. Yeah. I think it was probably about a year and a half into being a broker. So sometime in about 2009, I, I did a bunch of deals that some were big, I mean, relatively, actually one was, it's interesting. I sold a, I sold somehow, it's a very long story. It's a funny story, but I wound up selling a penthouse apartment for like 10 million bucks. I was like 22, 23 years old. And I made like, it was like a $10 million sale. And it's a, it's a long story. I was working with a, 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 a company looking to open a hair salon. And I, looked at, I spent like a year looking for space with these people. Like they hate it. You know, I'm, I'm talking uptown, downtown, Madison Avenue, uh, you know, Park Avenue and some ritzy area, uh, Soho, meatpacking, every West Chelsea, Chelsea, East Chelsea, you name it. I was looking for space with them. And we spent, you know, every Tuesday, I remember the exact day, but something like that for an entire year looking for space. And they hated everything. Finally, I woke up, this is a true story. I woke up one morning and I just said, this is it. This is the last time I'm touring them. If they don't like it, fuck it. It's not worth my time. Because as a broker, all you yeah. have is your time. That's the most important part of thing. Right? 100%. So I said, fuck it. If they don't like this, it's it. And we went and we looked at a space. Never forget this as long as I live. And we walk out of the space and, the, and, and on this tour was the financial backer of the hair salon. Okay. And she pulls me aside and she says, Brandon, or she didn't even know my name. She said, hey, uh, you know, we had just met. She says, I hate the space. I go, fuck, great. I'm done. You know, like, you know, this is like ridiculous. And she says, but, you know, actually I live around the corner and I need to move for, you know, a whole bunch of reasons. Um, actually, it's, she said, you know, she said a big landlord that's building a building next to me. I don't want to mention names and get in trouble, but they screwed up my building when they were building this new construction building that they're making. Um, mm. So I'm suing them. And, I need to move because wow. I can't live in my building, my apartment anymore. And I said, Oh wow. All right. And 
So she goes, do you know if any apartments are available in the building? I hate the retail space, but I love the building. And I said, I have no idea, but I'll find out, you know, I'm a retail broker, but I guess whatever. So I make a call to the developer and I say, Hey, Mr. Developer, uh, my name's Brandon. I, you know, I work at RKF and uh, uh, I have a client who I looked at your retail space with that was curious about apartments in the building. Is anything available? And the developer said, well, we have two left. We have, it was a new construction building. They said, it, and the address is 520 West 19th street, um, which West Chelsea, we have the, you know, one bedroom on the fifth floor and we have the penthouse available or one of the penthouses available. Um, there's just two of them. What do you want to do? And I said, ah, I have no idea. Let me tell the, the person. So I called the person. I said, you know, this is what's available. Set up a tour. So we set up a tour. We looked at both. Da, 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 da. She, you know, she said to me, I want to bring my husband. Set up another tour. So we set up another tour. Brought the husband. We walked through it. Okay. I got a phone call a week later. Hey, Brandon, it's, you know, the couple and we've, we've been thinking about it. We want to put an offer in for the penthouse. And I'm like, I remember my phone dropped. I was like, okay. I'm like, I don't even know how to, I don't know how to, I'm a retail broker. I don't even know how to put an offer in for a retail space properly, let alone an apartment. Like what? That's amazing. So I write down the information and they go, what do you think we should, what do you think we should put it in for? You know, like, uh, you know, they ask is 10. I want to go with like, you know, a cool nine. And like, that's what we were thinking. Great idea. I was like, All right, great. So I wound up a crazy longer story short. I wound up selling it to them. That's uh, amazing. And then I got hired and leased both of the retail stores in the building. Wow. And now I'm actually, and actually I just got hired again. This is the crazy part. 10 years later to lease the spaces again in the retail space. And that's the story. Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome. I love that. And I, I think it, it kind of goes to show it's like you put yourself in the right situation and, and good shit starts to happen, right? Like, yeah, there's, there, there's a very famous, I don't know who said it, but there's a quote that I, that I just love that I sort of keep something that I always replays in my head every time I have one of those Fridays where I walk out of the office, like, you know, I hate this shit. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and although they're not directly correlated, I can tell you that, the more time you you work, you pound the pavement, and you go to the office when you you know when other people are out partying or doing whatever they're doing, and you're working, the luckier it'll be perceived, the luckier that you get throughout your career. And I truly yeah. believe that. No, I'm 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 with you. I think I think Thomas Jefferson had had a, a similar quote. Was like the the I'm a I'm a firm believer in luck, and the harder I work, the more the more I have. Um, right. I think many people throughout time have said it. And I, I, I would actually argue they are direct, like they are positively correlated at least like it's not a one-to-one, yes. -one, but yes. it, it, there's, there's definitely a positive correlation. And, totally. you know, like at the end of the day, a lot of business is just learning and, and seeing and, and really understanding like the repetition, right? Like once you know how to do a deal, you can advise someone on it and you just totally. get better and better and part of the, the value of a broker, I think, is really to understand what are the pitfalls of the deal and to really vet it out just up front as much as possible, right? Like things, things change as well. Like there's negotiating that goes in in later stages, but, you know, ultimately bringing two parties together who can transact is, totally. is not always easy. Um, totally. And, and so I guess to that, to kind of segue into like more your business, I, I, I think we should really actually step back and say, just kind of tell people like, 
what does a, a retail leasing broker do? You know, I, most people have sure. no idea what a commercial mortgage broker yeah. is. And I'm, I'm sure they also don't necessarily understand your business. Sure. So it's a great question. Um, a retail leasing broker is, um, it, when you, you know, it's, it's right. It's like one of those businesses that's just like totally behind the scenes that people don't really realize exists until you explain it. So basically what it is, is there's two sides. You either represent a landlord and I'm meaning a landlord, someone who owns a building will hire someone, me or someone like me to help them market and lease a retail space at the base of a building, whether that's an office building, an apartment building, a shopping center, a hospital, a school, any type of establishment where there's a ground floor, second floor, lower level space that can be used for, um, you know, a store, a restaurant, a gym, a school, anything of that nature um, is a retail leasing broker. So that's one side is representing the landlords, helping them find the tenant for their space. The other side is representing the concept, the tenant, the occupier, as we say, um, in selecting sites, looking for what the right opportunity is, analyzing it, negotiating the deal with the landlord, um, and ultimately transacting and advising them along the way. And that's the basic. So anytime uh, someone listening to this, you know, if you don't know, anytime you see a H&M or your local deli or a Zara or a Nike store or a Showfields or a... Anything you like you, to do. <laughs> or not like to do for that matter. Or not know, like to do. Or anytime you see Andy leaving the gym, you know, and that gym he's leaving, <laughs> that gym, anything, you name it, there is a retail leasing broker on either one or both sides of that transaction that negotiated it on behalf of one or both parties. Um, and that's how it works. That's what I do. That's a, I think that's a pretty good explanation. And it, it's kind of funny because I feel like I, I also feel like I have the same kind of thing where it's like, you know, any building, any small little crappy building on the streets of New York that you walk by with six, 10 units, like that building has a mortgage with some local savings bank. And right. that's what I do. Like it, yeah. it's, it's pretty amazing. I, and I, I think, again, it kind of goes to that, that point we were talking about before of like, there's so much opportunity around you and sometimes you just don't even realize it, right? Like you're walking down the streets and the streets of, of, the, of New York City, there's so much opportunity to generate wealth. Um, Everywhere. Until, until, until you're put into that mindset and, and made aware no of idea. it. Yeah. You have no idea. Um, New York City, when fully functioning, like most cities, but specifically New York City, because that's our experience, spits money out. Like, I hate to say that, and, but like every one of these buildings you look at is as many ways that people are, are spending money in them, whether it's, you know, someone spending money on an apartment for rent or to buy or an office tenant or a store or a gym, whatever the case may be. There's a million which ways that building is producing money for a whole host of professionals whether it's a retail broker, an office broker, a mortgage broker, uh, the construction insurance. company, the insurance company, a janitor, like it's endless. The architects, it's like out of control. Lawyers, it just doesn't stop. And um, it's a very interesting thing to think about and to observe after you've been doing it for a long time and understanding, you know, who the parties are involved. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it is, it is fascinating to, to see how deep an industry goes. And, and, and really I think it, you know, from for, for my vantage point and part of what I like about uh, this podcast and, and why I wanted it to be out there is that I think it's important for people to get perspective of 
what other people do and like really glean totally. inside of like what is possible, you know, like totally it is possible to do real life shit, you know, like the things that people are like, Oh no, I couldn't do that. It's like, no, you could, you just have to yeah. conceive it first and then apply yourself consistently or a card like 100%. you're saying and, and you can make it happen. So, and, and, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 yeah, go ahead. No, sorry. Not to no, you. I was going to say, it, it sounds like you, you kind of had that conception, you know, your dad was able to instill that in you, which is, which is amazing. But beyond that, you were able to go execute on it is, is really the key thing. Yeah. And, and as much as my dad instilled it in me, you know, and gave me sort of the, the seed, it was, and it still is my mom who, and my dad, but also my mom really, you know, teaching me young sort of the ways to, uh, speak to the way to interact with people to, you know, I remember when like, I used to want something for my dad, she would like pull me aside and say, Brandon, just like, make sure you ask him this way and don't ask him that way. Huh. And things like that are beyond important when you're negotiating and, and sort of getting in between two parties, trying to negotiate a deal. Sometimes it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Um, 100%. And, and that's something I learned growing up that has been tremendously success, uh, sort of helpful in my success. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I think, you know, I, I would say even in my parents, like I personally had no conception of real estate as a kid. Like I, I didn't really know it as a business. Um, my, my parents, they manufacture bridal gowns and veils, you know, but I learned, I learned a lot of business from them and my, my grandpa started it. Like I always was around that idea and like, and had like a certain element of like wanting to be entrepreneurial. Ironically, I ended up going into accounting at first or I worked in the accounting firm doing financial valuation, but uh, which is totally the opposite of it. Um, but, but I definitely feel like I learned sales and like just picked up like how to be around people for my dad. Cause he sold, like that's what he did. He traveled and he, and right. he sold and he was really good at it. Um, right. And, and, and I think the more, the more that I've progressed in my career, the more I've realized how important it is to have strong role models and mentors there. Um, you know, so for, for you, like when you, when you switch from RKF to Cushman, like, did you go to work for someone specifically or did you, you start yeah. your own team or like, how, so how the reason I, the, sure. So I got recruited to, it's a very a long story, but, um, I, I had a, I was 20, I guess I was, let me do the math here. I was probably 2010. I was 24 turning 25 at the time. I had a roommate. Um, my, my, my homie, Sam, I don't know if you know, Sam, my buddy. And, um, I was his, we were living on the Upper East Side and in, in an apartment and his dad came and was hanging out with us one day. And I said to his dad, you know, he said, how's work going? Da, da, da. And I said, you know, it's good, but, and we went through the butts and the butts were things that I learned are mostly commonplace in our world, you know, frustrated that it, you think you could have done more, you could have, should have made a little bit more money, things you learn, especially when you're new-ish, you know, 100%. Um, and he said to me, you know, if you're frustrated, I, he was an accountant, actually, and he said, uh, you know, I have a bunch of clients that you can, I'm sure would talk to you, and he put me in touch with, um, I mean, I might as well just, a guy by the name of Howard Lorber, Howard is the, Rhythm. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's, you know, as big as it gets, and he said, you should call Howard, and I said, you know, actually, I don't know if I should say well, time out for pause. For, I don't know. I don't know if I should advertise. He says, whatever. And he said, he said, you should call him. Um, and that he'll, you know, he'll talk to you about your career. And I said, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like that guy's going to, you know, 
take my, whatever. So I emailed his assistant. Sure enough, I set a meeting with him. We met and he said to me, you know, it sounds like you're good at what you do. It sounds like you should keep doing it. Um, maybe it's just mm. a change of scenery you need. So he put me in touch with a, a woman by the name of Joanne Podell. Um, Joanne at the time, um, I mean, she's like, you know, uh, at the time was, I would say, um, you know, an A broker at Cushman, one of the biggest brokers in retail. Um, mm. And she was looking to build her team, to expand her team. Um, and she brought me on, again, a long story short, and I went to work with her. And in that time, since 2011 till I stopped working with her in 2017, she became by far and away the biggest broker, like like number one retail broker. I mean, like mega transactions we did, like as a team. It was, it was uh, the two of us and a few others that are some of which still work together. Others sort of split and started their own thing, which is what I'm doing now. But back to that, I mean, some of the biggest deals, like literally in the history of New York and the world for retail, wow. uh, including the Nike transactions in Soho on the Upper East Side, on Fifth Avenue, the Nike Town re relocation, um, every TD bank deal in New York. Um, you know, if you think about what that means, every single, I mean, there's what, That's 50, 60 of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just wow. like major, you know, Target and, and uh, Foot Locker and, um, Sephora and Herald Square, huh. um, just like crazy, like, you know, and it was so fun, as much as, you know, it was working for someone wasn't, you know, she was the big boss, you know, she was the big, the senior partner, being the junior partner was cool for sure, especially at my age that I was going through all that. Yeah. And it was so much fun. But like, you know, at a certain point, you kind of want to take your own shot. So for a whole number of reasons, her and I kind of ended, we, we sort of decided to sort of go in our own separate direction. I have the utmost respect for her. She's She taught me, be, like she advanced me in my career probably 20 years ahead of where I should be um, wow. working with her. And I'll be the first to say that. Um, and, you know, since then it was, it's been great. And, you know, I've learned, uh, you know, how to build my own team and do my own sort of, deals small medium and big flagship you know and uh, you know i think i've carried on what i learned with her but at first to answer your question when i worked I, I came on working uh sort of at first it was as like a satellite member of her team then her then junior partner left and i kind of stepped into his shoes and we rode out of we went on a really good run for a number wow. of years so yeah that's pretty cool I, yep. i'm curious i, I feel like I feel like there's always a perception of like that people who, who achieve a lot of success monetarily and in, in, in their career are always happy or like that they don't face challenges. I, I don't want to say like always happy, but like that, that they just live like a carefree life. And like, obviously we, we've discussed like the, you still leave the office on a Friday sometimes and you're just like, like, you can't get it out of your head and you get, you're defeated from that week. It just, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, week, but like what, what would you say is like the biggest challenge to becoming successful? And like, it sounds like you're in your twenties and you became successful so fast. You're doing a lot of these major deals. Like what are the, what, what are the challenges to that? Like, cause I, I imagine there are challenges to that. Sticking with it, sticking with it and, and wanting to give up. Like, it's so interesting the way you say it. It's so true. Like, you know, you growing up, you, you see the guy or the, or the, the family that has like, all this, the nice cars and, and the sick house and like, like, 
in, in your neighborhood, right? I don't know where you grew, wherever. Probably, Atchafe, you know. Yeah, right. Same, yeah. same, same thing. Like, same thing. And you're, and you're like, damn, like these people have it all good. Like, you know, and you know, I grew up in a, you know, you know, I grew up in a very nice life and I'm very poor, you know, I'm thankful for the life I grew up with my parents and, you know, family and all that. But like, sometimes you would see some of these people like, damn, I want to be living like them. You know, they got the rolls and the Porsche and the boat and the, and the, and the, you know, the, the, all the sick watches and the crib and the whole thing and the Miami crib and the Hamptons house and everything. Right. And, and you're like, ah, it's all good for them. But you realize as you go through it, like that father or mother, whoever it is, that's the breadwinner in the family or is like, they're waking up Monday morning, probably pretty early and working their ass off. And they get home that Friday night, probably pretty late. And it's not like all rainbows and butterflies and like, you know, champagne and, 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 you know, rap video shit. Like this is like, you know, this is like people work for that. And like, you know, to me, the thing I struggle with and my earpiece just fell out. Sorry. One sec. But the thing that I struggle with is like the sort of, at what point do you like, like take the foot off the gas pedal on the business side of things to like enjoy the personal side of things. And like, you know, obviously I work hard, right? I, I, I actually love what I do. So like, I don't, it's, yeah, it's work. I, you know, I'd prefer to be chilling in Mykonos or somewhere. Right. But like, it's important to like learn and you only do that by teaching yourself how to um, take your foot off the gas and, and understand that it's okay to go through those like, crazy like oh my god i hate what i do for a living everyone goes through them even though they don't hate what they do for a living they get back up on that monday morning they go to work and if you do that long enough and you're able to again work really hard that you get some a little bit of luck at that point you can enjoy those fruits of your labor is like like discussed then you know that's my yeah so yeah i've struggled with learning about that too in my career for sure and i've learned Interesting. I, fr- I, I have friends that I, I have friends that like, but that yeah, that bust my balls to this day about I work too hard, and why don't you you know you you spend some money? It's okay. Get that watch you want. Get to do this like, and you know I think it's just in some people's nature to just not be satisfied and to just want more. You know, is that is that what drives you? Just it, it, like it, it doesn't sound like it's the money that per se drives you. It's just like there's like a, a certain satisfaction to just like doing the deal and like and like it's it's not like the end result it's it's the end result is ultimately what comes about after the whole process of going through it like that's that's like the meat and potatoes of it yeah i think it's about doing a good job you know and what i mean by that is like you're nothing without your clients and your clients need to trust in you and give you you know and and know that that you're going to come to work every day with your best foot forward and that they can rely on you when they need a task or something or your advice and i think that's what gives me it's interesting right because you go to work to make money right and like you said like obviously the money's motivating but like you work just as hard for a big client or a small client because they're your client and at the end of the day all you have in a, especially in a client serving business like we're in is your reputation and your name so i think that um sorry one sec i just got a uh call i had a client i just think that that's that's the the right approach is for me at least is, you know, clients, client first. And if, if, if you do the right thing and give the right advice and, and are always working hard for your client and put them first, um, I think that that's probably, uh, 
the most important thing. I, I respect that. I respect that. And, and I, I think especially when you're, you're in businesses like ours where your clients are oftentimes your friends, like they be either they were your friends yeah. and that's how they became your client or you just become friends with people. You spend a lot of time totally. with people, you connect totally. over, over commonalities and totally. you know, now you're advising your friend and you really like you should, you like, you should want what's best for them. Um, 100%. Totally. So, huh. Very, very cool. Um, you know, I guess to, to kind of pivot the combo, because I, I think it's, it's not necessarily about your career. I, actually, it is really about your career. It's like, you know, you just mentioned all of these like big name brands, right? Like you're, you're doing these big deals for big brands. Um, but I know that has changed over the past years. And we had uh, Johnny Haber on, on the podcast a little while ago. Uh, and he was working at a peer here doing pop-up leasing, obviously not what you do, but I think it's in that same genre though, is where, where they were focused of like a lot of up and coming brands and newer brands that are entering into the space, whether they be online retailers at first, or they're just like an Instagram page and they're trying to kind of grow their, grow their space um and and their and their brand ultimately you know how have you pivoted in your career and has that been kind of a shift from when you did split with with joanne your yeah partner? so shout out to johnny johnny habes the, the workout guru Su- sundays 10 a.m on ig live <laughs> yeah, if you're following you should be following at habertorius at habertorius for sure Getting into my summertime, summer shape, quarantine season is, you know, it's, it's been tough Amazing. at times, but we got Sunday mornings with Johnny Amazing. for that. Uh, shout out to Ross Bailey, he's the CEO and a buddy of mine at Appear Here. Um, shout out to the whole team over there in the UK. Um, but uh, yeah, my business is very different than theirs. They took sort of a segment of the business that, frankly, we don't love uh, as, 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 you know, and they've tried to focus on making it their business, wish them the best of luck. And whatever. But yes, my personal, um, my personal sort of focus in my career has shifted 100%. In the end of 2016, uh, we finished the Nike deal on Fifth Avenue. It didn't open until much later, but yeah, that was when the deal got signed at 655th Avenue. And Joanne and I had an, a, a discussion and a talk and we, we, mutually agreed that it was time for me to kind of go out and start my own team. Cushman agreed. And in some ways it's a huge compliment and in other ways it's a huge slap in the face and, and not slap in the face, but it's like a huge leap of faith in yourself. And it was so scary, man. I can tell you, I was like, Holy shit, here I am. I've been working at the time for, you know, nine years. Um, Now it's time to go out and make really see if I can do this on my own. So another guy uh, that worked with Joanne on the team, Mike Cody, and I split off and started our own team. Mm. And um, I said to myself, look, I can tell you from the landlord representation business that I, that I have and that I've had, retail is changing, right? Like it, it, the internet is changing things. Pricing for space got so high. Some of these deal numbers were like astronomically through the roof. Like it didn't even make sense. And, um, and like, you know, I said to myself, something's got to change, you know, and, and frankly, it's a lot of like the feeling I have now, given what we're going through, but um, in, in the, you know, sort of the, the business side of this impact of the Corona thing. But back to 2016, I said to myself, but something's got to give like, you know, it's gonna, I, I don't foresee the consumer, just my gut as a as a, at the time a 31 year old 30 year old, like, someone who shops and, you know, enjoys 
having new clothes and watches and sneakers and things like that. Like I just sort of had a, had a hunch that, um, it just didn't feel right. Something was not, there was a disconnect between the ways we were doing things in the past and the ways things seemed to be getting done. Amazon had taken off. E-commerce was through the roof. Instagram and influencers was, was really like hitting its stride. And I said to myself, like, something's just, I got to change. I got to change with the time. So I really made a push on the tenant representation side to really network with a lot of new age uh, creatives, founders, like-minded people that were both raising money for concepts and also investing money in concepts. And I became expert in the space. And in that time, um, one of actually the first people I met in that time in 2017 was my, was a, the founder uh, and a brilliant guy, like beyond brilliant, like creative, brilliant, amazing guy by the name of Tal, um, Tal Nathaniel, who is the CEO and founder of Showfields. Um, huh. And him and his partner, who I met later, uh, Amir, um, who the, the two of them sort of were the, one of the one of of the new age of retail, specific to new concepts. Was the two of them was a guy by the name of Ben Kemla, uh, French guy, French Jewish kid that came over here, uh, and his partner uh, Clement Benoit. So it was his name was. Uh, Ben Kem and the other guy's name was Clem Ben. And it was like so confusing, but there were these two suave, suavo French dudes that like had this fitness concept that they were uh. looking to open. And they, they had some crazy success, tech success in Paris, uh, like a similar concept to like Postmates that they sold for a fortune of money at like 30 years old. Um, uh, and a guy by the name of Ben Silver, who had a company uh, by the name of Eden that was backed by Beta, uh, if you know who they are really cool new retail concept. And huh. so within the first six months or so to a year of, of launching my own sort of um, kind of uh, focus in this new world, I sort of started really seeing some, some fruits of my labor. And we didn't really get any of the deals done till about a year or so later. Um, but in that time, you know, I was able to focus on, um, on, making a name for myself and building myself not only as the guy that was joanne who's like this icon in the business joanne's partner for all those years the young guy that worked with her but then i went out and started my own thing and it was like oh shit this kid's got it like he's doing his own deals now too wow. like it's not just like yeah. and like that, that frankly that's only really been like of that like you know three i'm on year four of it and like it's been cool and it's been great. And in that time, I've really sort of stepped up to sort of levels that I was, you know, unsure like anyone else would be that I could attain. Um, and, um, and I've decided to keep going and I got some big ideas and big things I'm working on for the next step. This Corona COVID shit has sort of threw a little bit of a wrench, not a wrench, just sort of a pause on that. Um, but I feel that that's where I'm at and hopefully you know, I'm going to take it to the next level soon. It's only really been three Maybe. years or so of me on my own. And again, you know, the credit doesn't lie with me. I've helped these people. The credit lies with them and I'm thankful for the trust they put in me and continue to put in me um, as well as the landlords. Uh, you know, some of my closest friends in the business also are on the landlord side. Um, and, you know, and I'm, as I said, I've represent about 3 million feet of space right now. Um, helping landlords kind of get hip to what's going on in this new world, right? And, you know, some of the other tenants that I've represented in that time and continue to represent this company, Fabric, which has been another shift for me. Um, 
It's an Israeli-based logistics company that helps um, facilitate online delivery for supermarkets competing with Amazon and Whole Foods. Wow. So, and you know, so imagine you go to whatever supermarket.com and you place an order. It really goes to this company fabric and they deliver it to you within an hour. And it's the craziest robotic technology you've ever seen. I flew to Israel to meet with the team. Um, some, you know, my, my, my very close friend through the business bar, uh, who's one of the, you know, America people in America now for the company, uh, hmm. you know, has, has been, has been, uh, great. And, and really recommend whoever's listening to check this company out, getfabric.com. Some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen. And that's huh. just like a further change of my business. It's not traditional quote unquote retail space, but it is a occupier that facilitates and sort of, um, helps the um the the retail business and it's gotten you know we've we've done one deal we're hopefully close to another one and they're expanding like wow crazy in israel and here so yeah that's cool i i think what's so interesting about you know your position as a broker you know like I, I deal with a real real estate guys and and real estate bankers right like owners and bankers um right. which i love by the way like I, I i really enjoy and and i get to work with a lot of smart people um and, and I, and I enjoy the process a lot and my background's in accounting and finance. So like, I like that stuff, but I also do have a fascination with brands and businesses. And, and I think it's very cool that, you know, on one side you have the, the side of you that understands the real estate and you have the relationships in the real estate world. But then on the other side, you have this great awareness of how businesses function and what their needs are. And you've built up these great relationships with all of these major up and coming companies that are on their way up. And like you said, like they've put their trust in you and, and you're delivering for them. And you also bring to the table, like your personal brand, obviously, but you know, Cushman and Wakefield is one of the largest institutional brokerage shops in the world. So like you bring a lot of weight to the table with them and it's, it's cool how you, you pair those together and you like that, that, that's awesome to me. And, and, and I think, cool. I appreciate is, that. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I really like it. Um, and, and I think, I think you're, you're in the right space, like being that we're in that age demographic where we're in the middle of like the youngest con levels of consumers. So we could, we could almost understand them. Like they, they grew up much more native with technology than we did, but we, we know how to use technology much better than older generations do. Like it's, it, it's somewhat native to us, you know, like yeah, we didn't grow up totally. with a cell phone in our hand, but you know, we had cell phones by the time you were in college, right? Like high school, totally. probably. Um, so, yeah. and, and as you said earlier, you know, like your clients become your friends. Some of my closest people I consider some of my closest friends in the business are people, obviously I met through the business. My buddy, Mikey, you know, my buddy, uh, Amir from Chantal from Showfield bar from fabric. Um, you know, the list yeah. goes on Ben, Ben for sure from Eden, Ben Kemla from fit house. Him and I went to Paris together for his birthday you know, it's awesome. we had a crazy party. Like these are people that are like lifelong friends. My, my buddy, John at RFR, like these, these are like people that Jordan, like the, the list goes on. Right. And like, I'm just, I can sit here and name names and if I haven't named anyone, I don't mean to offend you, but like, you know, <laughs> these are people that are my, my homies and people that I really truly have built genuine friendships with and that we hang out personally, you know, we go to birthday parties, we go to brisses and baby names of their kids. It's dope. Like it's cool. <laughs> Rick Ross concerts, Rose, my home, you know, my Byron, whatever. He's Rick Ross is a client, you know, 
he was the biggest boss, but now Andy Weiss is the biggest boss. So Rick Ross, <laughs> Rick, Rick Ross is the second biggest boss. Oh yeah, well, listen, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tell him that. I'll, I'll, I'll feed it to him. I don't want to, I want to mess. Right. I'm intimidated. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I, I think it's point. cool, and and I, I think, I think it's just awesome um, to like to be in in a position where you can work with people you like, and and you 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 know you're at a point in your career. It's like you could. More, you could choose your clients, right? Like you're not, you're not begging for business at this point. You know, people are coming to you in some respects and obviously you're going out and prospecting and I'm sure you're much more targeted. Um, and we didn't talk before about, I'm sure you used to hit the phones like an animal back in the day. Animal, animal. <laughs> but so you know, phone and make a thousand phone calls. Yeah, literally. Yeah, it was crazy. It, honestly, you never know who you meet on the phone. And I, I've definitely, uh, I've definitely met some, and, and developed relationships with a lot of random people on the phone. And it, it's, it's pretty incredible, the power of the phone, I will say. And, and I think it's yeah. a, a skill set that goes unmentioned a lot of times. And, and I, you know, I think in general, I think sales is a, is a, um, is sometimes an under glorified field and like people kind of look down on it at times. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's a, I agree. But, but I think, I think the reality is, is that most people are actually scared of it. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not easy to just approach someone and, and try to, you know, get what you want at a certain point, no, uh, which, which is really because that's the wrong mindset, right? It's like, how do I help someone else get what they want? Right. Um, and I think right. people who, especially when you're not in it, you think of salesmen as only trying to get what they want. And, and that that misconception really, I think, drives a part of it as well. There's like the, just the right. image of like sleazy car salesman. Yeah, which I hate. And I think a lot of the times, and you know, I say this with, um, uh, you know, in today's day and age, I think there's obviously a huge em emphasis on people building their brand, right? Mm -hmm. Which is so important. But I think it's also important to, you know, especially in the commercial real estate space, it's very important to it's it's about the client man it's not about you as the broker or you as the salesman and yeah these articles and podcasts which you're doing are great and write-ups but like when when you know when you see like brokers and brokerage firms and people that are like all about the limelight and having their face on in their name in the paper and you know it's just like it just makes it it, it in my opinion what you're saying about the salesman and how it's like it has, it has a sort of maybe sometimes a bad sort of rap to it because people, the perception people have about it is usually because of people, of, of salespeople and, and professionals that kind of can conduct themselves in that way. No one likes the loud, no, the loud, the, the hollowest barrel makes the most noise in my opinion. And huh. that's something I've tried to live by. And I try my best to, you know, it's a fine line between being a salesperson and having your name out there and meeting people, but also being For conscious sure. and in your face and, and, you know, I, I definitely get it. And I, 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 I definitely told, I definitely told the line. I mean, I, and Everyone I, I, try, I mean, it's, it's yeah. a tough balance. No. And, and I try to be aware of it, but I, I think I always try to ask myself, it's like, what am I doing this for? And am I being genuine? And like, am I, am I able to actually like, okay. Yeah. Like I want to help myself, right? Like I, I want to earn income. I want to become successful in my own right. But like, am I, helping other people while I'm doing that. And I always try and kind of pair that 
parents something with what I'm doing. And that, that's why, I, I mean, I ultimately became a mortgage broker because I was involved in you know, a lot of different philanthropies and, and very active in the Jewish community. And I think as I've grown as a broker, I, I still try to structure my life that way where it's like, you know, I want to spend my time building up a network for a charity so that they can benefit. And like, I'll benefit as well, like no doubt, right? Like, you know, there's no doubt that through my involvement, I'm going to meet people and I'll be put in a good light. But like, am I able to add value for that charity? And that's really what drives my decision-making anytime that I'm making a, a new decision about an organization to give to, get involved in. And, um, right. You know, it, so I, I think, I think, it's, it's, it's a balance. And, and I'd say you, you tell it very well. Cause it, you know, I, I, I never get that feeling that you're a, you're a sleazy salesman. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. Look, there's a fame, I don't know. Again, I'm a huge Rob fan, right? So there's, a, there's this one song, it's a push a T song. Um, and it's the initial, the name of the song is MFTR. Okay. And it's the song's hot. I mean, whoever is, <laughs> should, should all listen to it. it's a great song, but, uh, but the song stands for, he's talking about that, not as commercial real estate people, but he's talking about, you know, people that front that are always in your face and they're MFTR and more F famous TT than are rich. They're more famous than rich. Right. And for me, someone who goes to work to make money, I'd rather be rich than famous. Right. Like yeah. I'm trying to make money. I don't really give a shit if my name is in the paper. Or if my it, Does it come with the territory? Sure. But that's, you know, not to sound like a, again, like a white Jewish kid that's talking about rap too much, but like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's something that I firmly believe in. Like, it's cool to have notoriety and to have people know you for what you do. But at the end of the day, it's about the client and doing the right thing for them, doing a good job. And, and you see the, you'll reap the rewards that you want from doing that. That's my opinion. Respect, respect. Um, yeah. Listen, I, I think we could, we could probably talk for hours about this, about the market. Um, but, uh, I think I think I think we'll have to call for today. Maybe we'll we'll have to do a part two or something. Maybe like a special sure, retail man. episode at some point. Yeah, um, I'm on. You know I'm here, man. I got nowhere to be, so you let me know. <laughs> well, I, I hope we all have somewhere to be very soon. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I I wish you a lot of luck. And uh, you know, I think I think that you you've clearly built yourself a, an amazing career so far, and and you have a great track record, and and I think you're in the right space. And I I really look forward to seeing uh, how you're going to help shape the the next generation of, of New York City real estate and, and retail right now. You know, it's, it's a changing environment and you're going to be leading the charge. So, uh, uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And, you know, I look forward to seeing your continued meteoric rise yeah, and what you're that, doing. No, I mean, that. I see what's good. I know. I know. I see. <laughs> and, I, and I think things I like this that. that you're doing are dope. This, this, you know, this podcast and all these sort of, you know, although they're not directly correlated, they are in some ways. Right. And I think yeah, it's fun. Um, it's fun. It's cool. And I think it's great. So I, I've enjoyed it. Um, you know, I, pre I really. appreciate that. I, I, yeah. I do. I do. I, and you know, I, I guess going back to my point before, it's like, you know, again, it's like, how do you get that win-win, right? Like it's, it's just, I want to, I want to help inspire other people and give them examples. And then just the, the benefit of like, learning from from people like you and i interviewed a a buddy of mine who was, was a past client uh yesterday and it, it's it's all it's all full circle you know like you, you build a holistic totally. life and and i think that's when you really enjoy your life yeah man i'm with you totally all right so listen so, thanks for coming on the podcast and my pleasure. Uh, look, thank you for having me 
look forward to continue to see you rise and uh, appreciate you for the rising time that you are. Thanks, Brian.